You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today's episode of the show is going to be on Paul Millsap, looking at the season that he had um, and kind of where did the team goes from him, as I have done for the last several shows, really since the season ended. Segment one of the show is going to be about the positive things that happened for Paul Millsap this season, some of the successes uh, throughout the season. Section two will be about the weaknesses and, and obstacles that happened. And then in section three, I'm going to talk about what happens next. Where do they go from? Where does he go from here? What things does he work on? What kind of things need to go differently um, for him next year? So I'm excited for this one. You know, I took a couple days to get to it for a couple different reasons, but one of the reasons was I wanted to watch some film of early on in the season. You know, one of the the, the storyline around Paul Millsap today or, or the season is that he got hurt. Um, you know, he joined a new team, new environment, new personalities, new obstacles, new challenges, all this stuff. And right just a couple weeks into the season, he gets injured and misses basically, you know, more than half of the year, but the middle big chunk of the year, the middle like half of the year. And then when he came back, you know, he had new obstacles and sore arm and, and, you know, a team that had kind of moved on without him and all those things. So his season is defined by that injury, unfortunately. And because of that, I think the Paul Millsap that we all are going to have in our minds for the next six months until the season begins next year is the Paul Millsap of March and April. I think the Paul Millsap of October and November was very different than um, the one we saw after the injury. And I don't think that is because Paul Millsap got worse or aged or the injury took away anything from him. I just think that it's hard to kind of insert himself back into a, a team in, in under those circumstances. So I wanted to go back and I wanted to watch some games. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment because I, it, there was some really encouraging stuff, I think, from those last three or four games uh, uh, before he got injured in November. The first thing I want to talk about, though, the first note, he had the best defensive rating on the team. This should come to the surprise of nobody. Individual defensive ratings are, are a flawed metric in a lot of different ways, but it's worth noting that when he was on the court, uh, the Denver Nuggets defended better than anybody else on, on the team. When he was on, Denver's defense held opponents to the lowest mark. <clears throat> and that shouldn't be a surprise. I think, especially early on in the season, one of the things that I think tailed off for Millsap, surprisingly enough, uh, after he came back from injury was his defense. I think his defense took a hit in part because he was so afraid to use that arm, and I'm guessing his left hand was giving him so much uh, pain or his left wrist was giving him so much pain that every time it got hit, you know, it, it hurt. So I think it just diminished some of his defense. But early on in the season especially, the guy was just amazing to watch. Offense is just, I think, inherently, for most people, more interesting than defense. But I think Millsap's defense is as entertaining, from my viewpoint, you know, somebody that really likes to get into the, the, the little tiny details of basketball, the, watching Millsap defend is almost as fun as watching Jokic play offense. I mean, he just he does do, so many high-level things. He's so dialed in. He's so strong and aggressive and tenacious. One of the games I watched was a game against New Orleans, and there was a couple times where he was just swatting Anthony Davis and, and DeMarcus Cousins and, and pushing them out of the way and grabbing boards. It was he, he was just such a beast, and, and I think especially early on in the season, 
you talk about what does Denver need at the three and four positions more than anything. I think they need defense. Um, and, and Millsap provides that just so, so well, um, with Nikola Jokic, you know, one of the things is, and I'm going to talk about this in the next segment. I don't think we've reached peak Millsap on the nuggets. Like I, I don't think we've gotten close. I think we merely have, um, detected what these two guys can do or, or what this team can do. And in particular, those two guys, but it's worth noting that Jokic and Millsap on the court, had a net rating of plus 11.2. If you're unfamiliar with net rating, that's how many points you you scored versus what your opponent scored per 100 possessions. So a, hundred, a typical NBA game has roughly 100 possessions. If those two were playing together for all 48 minutes for all 100 possessions, they would have outscored on average 11 by 11.2 points. That's a pretty dominant mark. That's a pretty re- that's a pretty good mark for two players on a team given the amount of minutes that those two guys shared the court. And, and I think that's really encouraging. 416 minutes. We got Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. You talk about the core three young players on the roster plus Millsap. Uh, they had a net rating of plus 12.9, even better. 394 minutes with Jamal Murray and Will Barton, plus Millsap and Jokic, plus 15.6. That's a huge sample size there. Um, that's plus 15.6, which is just monster. Only 106 minutes with Barton and Harris, so basically two shooting guards plus Millsap and Jokic, plus 21. Again, only 160, uh, 106 minutes. Not you can't can't take too much from that, but still. It's worth noting that when Millsap and Jokic played with the the three main backcourt members, the Nuggets were just absolutely dominant, absolutely unstoppable. Their overall uh, um, marks are lowered a little bit by Moutier, who they played a lot of minutes with. Moutier was a very active member of the roster for the first 17 games of the season, which is when Millsap was playing healthy. And they were still absolutely dominant. So I think one of the things that you can take away is when this team was fully healthy – not only did Millsap make them better, I think I think you look at Jokic, Harris, and Murray as sort of the engine to the offense, but Millsap such a, has fit in so nicely that they were absolutely dominant with those starting groups, and that, that's something that I think you can absolutely hang your hat on. And then what do you need from him? You just need that leadership, defense, and being a cog in the machine on offense. And when I went back and watched the New Orleans game in which the Nuggets scored 146, the, the Orlando game they scored I think like 120, um, and then there was one other game, I think Phoenix maybe, that I watched uh, the first quarter of. Uh, or actually, it was another game because they actually lost. It wasn't Phoenix. Um, but I watched the three full games he played before getting injured. And I was, to be honest, a little bit surprised at how good it looked. I know that Malone had used that line of, oh, they were really coming together before he got hurt. And I remember thinking, yeah, they were kind of coming together, but I don't remember it being that great. Well, watching that New Orleans game, if you have that on DVR, the New Orleans game from like November 12th or something like that, the Nuggets open up the game on like a 29 to 4 run or something like that. And they just, the first quarter, the third quarter, and the close of the game, they just, they look like world beaters on both ends of the court, but especially on offense. The ball was absolutely popping. And the synergy between Jokic and Millsap, I thought, was so great in that game. Now, it was just one game. But it's one of those things where that game in particular, the New Orleans game, probably the single game where those two showed what their potential is. That that to me was as close to sort of the potential of that of that group, that pair, uh, front court pair, as we saw all season. And it's funny that game, the bench I think was an overall net negative in a twenty point win. That's how dominant the starters were in that game, and and it was really really cool to see. <clears throat> there was. 
a lot of Jokic facilitating and everybody else just kind of fitting in. There was a lot of synergy between Millsap and Jokic. So much of basketball is about the time. It's not about what you run or, you know, you're supposed to be here, you're supposed to be here. It's about when it, it, the, t- the timing. Two guys are, are really five guys um, occupying both halves of the court, the left and the right side, but the timing of everything being being well. There, I thought there was a lot in this uh, in that New Orleans game when I went back and watched where Jokic would set a ball screen with, say, Jamal Murray, for example, and at the exact right moment, Millsap would sort of elevate from the short corner up to the top wing. And, and little things like that, just to use this as an example, little things like that would force the defense to be caught looking at the ball while Millsap was relocating to a new spot. Murray would drive off of the pick and roll, draw in Millsap's man and kick it to Millsap for a wide open shot on the wing or for another screen or whatever. And it was just, everything seemed to be working on a string together. Everything, all five guys were working in concert with each other. Um, and, And I think that was really, really encouraging to see. And it was encouraging to see it in game. I think that was game 14 or 15 of the season that they were able to put it together at that moment, at least, and for a couple of games to look that encouraging. On to some of the major weaknesses, and of course, this isn't all-encompassing. This is sort of just the things I, when digging through the stats and video and all that stuff, is the you know the stuff that jumps out to me the most. I think in a vacuum, throwing out all of uh, all of the context, in a vacuum, this was probably his worst season um, of his career, and I think. Part of that is going to be, of course, just his age. And he's been in, you know, he's on the downside of his career. He's going to get slightly worse each year. That's why the Nuggets contract for him, I think, was so great. He basically uh, becomes an extremely tradable piece if for whatever reason Denver wanted to because he has that team option. Um, He's, you know, $30 million contract that is basically expiring if the Nuggets want to. Um, But then with the team option, they can either pick that up or re-sign him. So after next season, what I think is the most likely outcome is that assuming the Nuggets can make the playoffs next year and and make another step forward, I think Millsap looks at it and says, you know, I enjoy being here. Uh, Again, if this is true, I enjoy being here. Let's restructure the deal so I'm here not just for one more year but for three but at a lower rate so that the Nuggets have some cap flexibility. I I would be surprised if that's not what happens. Um, but uh, So that's why I think the contract's so great. But you look at it, lowest win shares of his career, win shares per 48, block, box plus minus, uh, value over replacement player. All of his advanced stats, this was the worst one of his career. And, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with he played way more minutes with, a, with one hand than he did with two. So if you imagine any player playing with you know, so few minutes and, and under the circumstances that he was, I think even in the prime of his career, he probably would have put up one of his, you know, statistically worst seasons of his career. Um, another, the rebounding suffered a little bit. I think if there was one just sort of counting stat that you worry about a little bit, um, per 36, I believe he had the lowest rebound total. Yeah, for sure. Re- lowest rebounding total of his career. Now it is worth noting in Utah, his final season, he averaged just 8.4 rebounds per 36 minutes t- this year, 7.7. So somewhat comparable, but a three-year trend for him in uh, the last two seasons in Atlanta, 10 rebounds per 36, then 8.2 this year, 7.7. I think it is possible that his rebounding is just going to be a thing that he's no longer a lead at. And you look at the Nuggets, when he returned to the lineup, they became a very bad, uh, not a very, yeah, actually that's fair, below average rebounding team, which is been a strength of theirs for, you know, for the 
first half of the season and then last season as well. That was a strength of theirs. So that's something I think to be at least a little bit casually concerned about and, and maybe something that the, the team has to sort of adjust for is how can they – how how can they can own the boards when they go with two bigs? Because especially when you play with two bigs, you got to be able to own the own the boards. Another you know sort of failure or, or, or negative of the season was that the injury that he sustained, he says, still causes him pain, and the doctor told him that he might expect pain up to another year, which would mean he would be feeling pain for all or some of next season. And if that's the case, I think. Um, you know, that's going to be a big hindrance on him because he clearly wasn't the same player. Now, I would assume, and I, I don't know anything about the injury or anything like that, but I would assume if if there was a timetable of one year before he no longer feels pain, I would imagine that means in six months he feels less pain than now. So I'd think he would start the season, even if it is bothering him, not bothering him as much as it did at the end of the year, and he will look more like he did at the beginning of the season. He lowered his usage after the injury, which is probably not a surprise at all, and honestly, probably for the best of the team. I think his usage was a little bit high to start the year, and it wasn't much. I think it went from like 24 to 20. Um, that usage just a stat that kind of tracks how frequently a player is shooting, turning the ball over, um, and, and so mo- a higher percentage of his possessions, he was the f- sort of being used as the shooter or passer um, early on in the season, later on a little bit less. And I think that's right. Nikola Jokic should be the guy who gets the most touches and who the everything uh, operates around. One of the successes of the season would be that, that I didn't mention was that I think the pecking order was rightfully established by the end of the season. And I think Millsap comes into next year with the mind frame more of being a support piece and on the offensive end even though he's still a leader and somebody I think everybody looks up to I think he he realizes and I think everybody else kind of realizes that now the offense flows through another player and he becomes more of a of a lower usage guy um Early on in the season, I thought he forced Jokic out of his zone a lot, out of Jokic's zone. Jokic was taking a lot of threes early on, and and he wasn't getting a ton of shots, and I think some of that just had to do with Millsap not fully knowing Jokic's game. He was playing well individually. Millsap was having a very good first month of the year uh, prior to the injury, so I think Jokic just took a complete back seat, and and so that would be uh, a failure early on that I think was remedied later on. As is the case, this is the most interesting thing to me, and something I'll probably ask uh, on media day or, or shortly thereafter, um, maybe at training camp. He was one of every single player I've talked to so far, uh, all of the players I've done analysis for, which is all of the starters plus Will Barton, is a lower percentage uh, of shots coming at the rim. The lowest, actually, of his entire career, just 20% of all of Millsap's shots this year came within zero or three feet of the basket. His next lowest one was last season, where he shot 25% of his shots. And the next lowest after that was uh, 2011-12, where he shot 33% of his shots. So he's almost, you know... 40% 40% fewer shots at the rim than his career average. Actually, about fi- he, about half of the, of his career average. Career average, 39% of his shots come at the rim. This year, only 20%. But it's even, you know, uh, you're looking at 40% lower from his second lowest season. So that's a huge drop-off. Some of that is almost certainly because of his age and just a little bit of declining athleticism, although he's never really relied on that. But some of that, again, because we've seen it with Murray, Harris, Barton, Wilson, and Jokic, and now Millsap, I think that has that 
we can now say with some certainty that there are some things about the way the Nuggets offense is running that is preventing them from getting shots at the rim. And that's something that I hope is reverses course next season, even given the fact that he is, you know, past his prime. I still think he needs to be getting shots at the rim a little bit more consistently. The flip side of that is he had the highest three point attempt rate of his career, um, which is not a surprise when you take fewer percentage of your shots at the rim those those shots have to be distributed elsewhere and for him it's very clear where they were distributed from the three-point line but also from three to ten feet and that's another trend that's across all the players Barton Murray every everybody they all took more shots this year from three to ten feet than they did last year while taking fewer shots zero to three feet and again if you've listened to the series of of, of episodes about kind of player evaluations I think that points to a clogged paint uh, paint and a team that is not properly spacing the floor and getting into the painted area with downhill downhill momentum Um, and he was not immune to that he is also a player that did that the high three-point rate 34.5 percent from the three-point line is basically his career average Um, I think that's what you're going to he's 33 career he shot 34 and a half um, I think that's kind of who he is. He does have a slow release. I think if Millsap is taking, you know, a ton of threes, like five, four or five threes a game, that's probably too many. Three, you know, that's probably right on the edge of what he should be taking, um, especially with that slow release. I just don't know that it provides you a ton of spacing. I think there's better ways to space the court with him than to have him be a spot-up three-point shooter. Nonetheless, 34.5% is high enough that you don't cringe when he takes it. You feel, you, you know, that's still good value on on that shot. 2.8 screen assists per game uh, to last season in Atlanta, just 0.8 this year. I find that really, really, really fascinating. That's basically being cut down by three and a half, uh, you know, three and a half times fewer uh, screen assists this year. A lot of that has to do with the fact that, well, again, he became a low usage player, so he was running less pick and roll um, this season. But also, after coming back from injury, Jokic is the guy who ran all the pick and rolls in DHOs, and he should. So he gets a lot of those screen assists that you kind of get credit for when you're running pick and roll. Nonetheless, 0.8 per game, I think that's really, really low, and I think there's better ways. I I think he's such a talented screener and such a big body and such a talented finisher if you use him, you know, if you hit him on the roll, that I I think one of the things the team will have to do is kind of figure out a way to get him more opportunities there, primarily, in my opinion, when Jokic is not on the floor. I think it makes sense to use him more as a screener, uh, in non-Jokic lineups. And I think part of that will be playing him at the five. I have no idea how open Malone or he is to doing that. Um, he definitely will take more of a beating, although the, t- the league just keeps getting smaller and smaller. I really don't think it's that much of a beating for him to play five against most backup fives. There's just a lot of... Uh, if you're playing bench fives, you know, a lot of times they're not that big, burly guy. They're, they're your second-tier type guys. Um and, and then lastly, I would just say I don't feel like one of the big weaknesses is, and this is really nobody's fault, uh, um, We don't. I don't think we know what the final form of Jokic Millsap is. It's a success no, even where they are, but I don't feel like we have a clear view of, of what those two look like. And heading into year two, you'd kind of like to have a little bit more clarity there of like, okay, this is exactly what that's going to look like next year because they're completely in the groove. I still have some reservations. Is Jokic shooting a lot like he was the last month of the season? Is he passing a lot like he was at the beginning? Or is there some healthy blend uh, or not healthy? I think both of those are healthy options, quite frankly. But is there a perfect blend to, of 
uh, between those two. That that's still to be determined. Moving on and looking ahead, you know, it's a little bit different when you're talking about such a veteran with so many minutes and games under his belt because he sort of is who he is on at this stage of his career. I don't I don't think there's going to be a major evolution in his game at this point. It's more about just where to use him best and 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 maybe having him work on some little things that that will translate next year. The first thing I look at is is how much can he improve the defense because we already saw he has a huge impact just for being out on the court but as Denver alleged in in theory gets better individually defensively Jokic Murray Barton Harris all those guys are in line to make improvements to their one-on-one individual defense how much does can Millsap really be that back line that backbone I think all your best defenses have that backbone and I think Denver is able to play differently when he is on the court but just to, to what degree I still feel like we don't know that and I think looking at some of the goals for the offseason, um, he's going to have to work on his three-point shot. I, I've said that I think he's going to be a 30, I think 34, 35% three-point shooter is sort of who he is. But that's the one area you could say, you know, it's at least within the realm of possibility that he could be a 37% three-point shooter. It's within the realm of possibility that he shoots three and a half, four three-pointers a game. And, and that would really open things up. We saw Darrell Arthur really become a great three-point shooter over the last three or four seasons. I think with Millsap, it's at least possible as well. I don't think he'll be able to speed up his his release or anything like that. But if he can get, especially from the corner, because I think you know above the elbows is great, and, and he's really good at those, and there's a lot of value. I think that's primarily where he should be taking them. But I do think there are some situations where, you know, end of clock, end of end of quarter even end of game where if he can be a consistent threat from one of those corners then I think you can really run some interesting stuff basic but effective stuff basic spread pick and rolls where the defense is almost certainly going to elect to just leave him open and he can be the knockdown guy from there Um, I think and I've said this before if you've listened to this show throughout the season the best use of him as a floor spacer in my opinion is as a weak side screener, I think his goal, one of the goals for him, uh, is to become the best weak side screener in the entire league. And he's already good at this. I just think that for, this is probably one of the single best uses of Millsap in in Jokic ball. He's an incredibly talented you know, passer in his own right, post-up player and all these things. On the weak side, if if you're running DHO with with say Murray and and Barton on the strong side and and Jokic on the strong side, and that leaves one player on the weak side plus Millsap. Millsap can just become that guy that waits for the perfect moment to time that back screen, that hammer side screen uh, on the whoever's on his side of the court, and it distracts the help side defense. And if it doesn't distract him, if the defense just ignores it, then it leaves somebody wide open for a kickout pass. To me, that's the best use of him. And, you know, kind of studying that and, and being able to, like, really perfectly execute that role – I think is going to be the best use of Millsap in those types of lineups with Jokic. To me, the best Jokic is the passing Jokic, the all-around playing through him, letting him operate, and and that inherently makes the other big playing next to him a lower-usage guy. And that's one way for a lower-usage guy to be absolutely impactful is to become this great um, blindside screener, basically, is, is the best way to put it, a blindside screener. I think another goal for him can be to... This is an uncomfortable role for Millsap, but I think 
veterans are so important for the development of young players, and I think that Millsap can be a great example to Jokic. I think he already has in a lot of ways, and just his willingness to sacrifice his his the way that he approaches the game and the seriousness. Um, I think continuing and even expanding on the level and the degree to which he takes Jokic under his wing will go a long way. This is a roster that I think has a lot of very agreeable, albeit quiet, personalities. But I think that Millsap really tying and tethering himself to Jokic will go a long way to making those two get on the same page, but also to growing Jokic as a player. Um, I think one of the things that... It was so fascinating to me early this season when I talked to Kevin Durant in the locker room after the game and asked him about Jokic. And the one thing he said he loves him, thinks he's a great player. He's going to be a, uh, what did he say, a, a problem for a long time or something like that. He's going to be a great player for a long time to come. But one thing he said was, you know, Jok- I think all players, he's trying to make it very broad so he wasn't given a criticism, but all players need to understand that every night a team is looking at them and expecting them to kind of give it their all. And I think what he's getting at is the sense of urgency that I don't think the Denver Nuggets have had for the last two years. I think it's the... I think it's part of the reason they have missed the playoffs by one game two years in a row, and it's part of the reason why they went on a six-game winning streak at the end of the year, almost a seven-game winning streak, um, because when they got urgent, they go to a whole other level. Even though things looked clunky and, it, and they hadn't figured some things out, they went to a whole other level because of that sense of urgency. And I think Millsap is a guy who always plays with urgency. I think he brings it every single night. I don't think he's like, oh, it's November, we can go this speed tonight. I think Jokic absolutely is that guy, or at least he was. We'll, we'll see. I, I think most young players are that way, quite frankly, especially bigs, um, because it takes so much energy from seven-foot, big, burly dudes and lumbering big guys like him. But I think that's one thing that Millsap can continue to kind of instill in him is this, hey, look, man, when you're the guy, you get all the money, you get all the attention, you get all the fans, you get all this great stuff, but it comes at a price, and that price is – You've got to be the guy every single night, no matter what. No no excuses. You look at how many nights does LeBron James take off? Okay, on the defensive end, 82. But but as far as being the guy and like bringing effort and 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 playing all these minutes and everything just, you know, we're going to win this game. It's going to be up to me to win it. You know, LeBron, Kevin Durant, those guys bring it every night. Um, Jokic, I think, has that talent in him, and, but he's going to have to learn how to be that guy. In Millsap's final season in Atlanta, he was absolutely that guy. He was that guy for a lot of years, actually, in Atlanta. But he absolutely was that guy that understood that responsibility. I think he's a guy that, that understands that as well as anybody. And for him to sort of take actively take Jokic under his wing and, and, and teach him little lessons like that, but also to just be supportive of him, I think it's important for those type of relationships to to grow. I don't think they're ever going to go, um, you know, out to the movies together and and texting each other and and all this different stuff. I don't. I just don't think that's their personalities. But I do think a little bit of active effort in and just uh, working together behind the scenes, especially over the summer, will go a long way. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. This was a fun one to do. I took a couple extra days, like I said, because I wanted to go back and rewatch those old games. Um, but it was great. I'm still very, very high on Millsap. I, I think there's a small contingent of people that think, like, you know, I know Mark Kisla has the take that he was a bad signing. I, I think it's crazy. I just I think it's absolutely crazy talk. The numbers bear out how great the Nuggets are when he's on the court, especially alongside Jokic. And given the what I see on the film, 
there's so much untapped potential there that unfortunately was robbed of us because of the injury. But even even with that accounted for, I thought they were very, very, very good together, and the Nuggets were very, very good with him. I'm excited uh, to see what happens and, and see what this team looks like coming into training camp next year. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll be back again very soon with brand new episodes. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.